Shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hey, it's Pat Smith of the Spokane Chiefs. It's Adam Bokris. Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltadors. Hey, it's Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. I am Dominic Fox. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Oak Oaks Oilers. It's Joe Bryan. Hi, it's Barrett Hayden of the Sioux Greyhounds. Brady Kachuk from the Boston University Terriers. Major Junior. In the 100th year of the Memorial Cup, the Ankeny Panthers T-Tall have won it for the first time. NCAA. Face-off, 50-50, that's it. Minnesota Nice. Minnesota Duluth, national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. The Buffalo Sabres are proud to select Frolunda defenseman Rasmus Dahlin. And more. Uh, yes. Oh my goodness. We're not going home yet, baby. This is the Pipeline Show. Here we go. Hello, this is the Pipeline Show, and my name is Guy Flaming. I'm your host, and I want to welcome you to the program. If you're a newcomer to the show, then I'm glad that you took the time to download this episode. I hope it's uh, the first of many, and you'll be coming back for more. If you are a returning listener, then I appreciate that you have stopped by once again. Let's get right to the question of the day as uh, exciting times around uh, the world of prospect hockey. No question about that. The question of the day is brought to you by the Edmonton Oil Kings, who are getting set for round two of the WHL playoffs. They're hosting the Calgary Hitmen this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Games four and five, obviously down in uh, Cowtown at the Saddle Dome. And then, uh, if necessary, games five and seven back in downtown Edmonton at Rogers Place. Uh, expecting a good crowd. I haven't uh, got an update yet just on what ticket sales are like uh, for round two. I was disappointed with uh, round one uh, fan turnout. Part of that, I think, probably because the Oilers are still playing, and that's uh, coming to an end here now. So I expect that the crowds will be bigger in round two. In fact, with Calgary and Edmonton involved, uh, I would think both NHL buildings uh, will be near capacity, or should be getting well over 10,000 anyway, uh, as the playoffs get going. Of course, in Calgary, a little bit different because the NHL team there is actually good, uh, and uh, they're having a successful year, so maybe the attendance for uh, Hitman games uh, might be a little lower than uh, by far than it should be in Edmonton, uh, with no other hockey going around here outside of the AJHL Finals, which uh, is featuring the Sherwood Park Crusaders and the St. Albert's, uh, St. Albert Saints, the Spruce Grove Saints, that going to Game 5 uh, as we speak uh, this weekend. All right, the question of the day, and I put it up on Twitter earlier today, early this morning, as a matter of fact, uh, and it's a two-parter. So there's two poll questions. Who's going to be the two teams that are in the WHL's Western Conference Final and the two that will be in the Eastern Conference Final? As I update the uh, poll results, uh, fairly lopsided in both cases, actually. The uh, runaway favorite in the Western Conference uh, final would be the two favorites, the Everett Silvertips and the Vancouver Giants. 63% of the vote so far going to that uh, matchup. Spokane and Vancouver is uh, the second choice at 22%. Only 9% are picking Spokane and Victoria, and only 6% have Everett and Victoria. The poll in the Eastern Conference... Also not very close, 69% have the two favorites. That would be Prince Albert and Edmonton. The second choice, Saskatoon and Edmonton. So more people thinking, at least according to the poll, more people think Saskatoon can pull off the upset more so than Calgary. Interesting. 17% picking Saskatoon and Edmonton. 14% have Prince Albert and Calgary. And 0% have voted for Saskatoon 
and Calgary. So nobody right now is picking the Blades and the Hitmen to both upset the uh, the higher seeds. The place you would go to cast your vote is at on Twitter at TPS underscore key. If you're not if you're not following me already, you should uh, probably give me a follow. If you're a listener to the show, it's pretty much all I tweet about is uh, stuff that is uh, content for the Pipeline show, as well as uh, me wearing uh, the um, uh, TSN 1260 morning show has this uh, thing every Thursday uh, they call hot takes. You basically, it's uh, the two hosts there and a, a guest that come in and uh, give their five best one-liners sort of thing. And uh, the winner gets this oven mitt. Well, uh, I was invited a couple weeks ago, and I've won uh, back-to-back weeks. So I still have the Hot Takes oven mitt in my possession, and uh, I've been snapping pictures of that uh, the last little while, too. So outside of the Hot Takes mitt, everything you're going to see on Twitter, on my Twitter feed, is uh, basically prospect hockey stuff. Let's get to the news and notes. And uh, for that, basically going to update the CHL playoffs and uh, what's happening uh, south of the border as well. Uh, in the, we might as well start with the WHL, although I did just tell you uh, who the eight teams remaining are. Two of the series begin tonight in round two. Saskatoon is in Prince Albert. Victoria goes to Vancouver. The other two series begin tomorrow with Calgary and Edmonton and Spokane on the road in Everett. Game two of the Vancouver-Victoria series also going on Saturday. The other three series will play game two on Sundays. So then everybody will have played two games uh, after the weekend. In the Ontario Hockey League, it's the Saginaw Spirit taking on the Sioux Greyhounds. The London Knights will face Guelph. That's in the OHL's Western Conference. In the East, you have the Ottawa 67s taking on Sudbury. The Niagara Ice Dogs facing the Oshawa Generals. All four of those series get going tonight on Friday. And in the queue, all four begin tonight as well. You have Moncton squaring off against the uh, Halifax Moosehead, so an all-maritime match there. Sherbrooke on the road in Drummondville. Roy Naranda hosting Victoriaville. And Cape Breton will travel to Ramuski to start their series. And in college hockey, the Frozen Four is set, and it's going to uh, begin next Thursday. That will be April 11th. The early game will see Providence taking on the defending uh, national champion, the University of Minnesota Duluth. The later game will see Denver University, University of Denver, and Massachusetts, the uh, Minutemen. What that means is that there'll be a uh, Frozen Four coaches show. In fact, all those interviews are now complete. Over the course of this weekend, I'll start putting them out on the Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash the pipeline show. That will be early access for uh, patrons. And on either Monday or Tuesday, Monday if possible, Tuesday at the absolute latest, I will release the Frozen Four Coaches Show for this year. And then there'll be another episode of the Pipeline Show at the end of the week. Um, So today it's going to be all CHL. Monday, Tuesday, it'll be the NCAA Frozen Four Coaches Show. And then a regular show again at the end of next week. Uh, The Frozen Four Coaches Show, of course, will be brought to you by College Hockey Inc. If you uh, have a player in your family that's uh, considering going the college path and want to know what you have to do to keep uh, and maintain your NCAA eligibility can be tricky so uh, go to college hockey inc maybe get in touch with mike snee or nate Ewell and uh, get some information uh, from them as they are the uh, marketing arm of the ncaa they'll answer a lot of the questions that you might have i mentioned them now because it will be a chl heavy show today so no ncaa guest but definitely wanted to mention the uh, frozen four coaches show early 
next week. Let's get to the guest list today. Here's what's coming down the pipe. Obviously, we're going to set up the CHL playoffs around two. We'll start in the queue. Mike Sanderson, longtime broadcaster in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, also a writer for McKean's Hockey. He is going to set the table for the uh, second round of the Q playoffs. Then we'll go to the OHL, and that's uh, Brad Cogemilio, who writes for Sioux today. Covers the Sioux Greyhounds. They're one of the eight teams still remaining. He'll give us uh, an overview of uh, the entire OHL scene. My guest to uh, look at the WHL playoffs, Les Lazaruk, the uh, voice of the Saskatoon Blades as they get ready to take on the Prince Albert Raiders. And then we'll have a 2019 draft spotlight segment to close things out. Top-rated defenseman in the entire class of 2019. His name is Bowen Byram, and he plays for the Vancouver Giants. So get to know him today as well. So lots to get to. Let's kick it off, though, by going out to the queue, get an update and a preview of Round 2 in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League with Mike Sanderson. That's next here on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Down there by Zaboral. Puck comes free. Ward's clearing play to the line. It skips out to center. Valeno trying to break shorthanded. Joe Valeno, penalty coming. Valeno deking, scores! Joe Valeno, shorthanded goal! Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltageurs, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris wow, and Duncan Keith and future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Favreau all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Comes around, it's all around. Don't you mean what's all around comes around, Ricky? We're back on the Pipeline Show. We're going to start off looking at round two of the CHL playoffs by uh, heading out east. We'll work our way east to west, and that means we start in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And the uh, first round of the playoffs saw three series go the distance. Uh, so exciting first round. Some uh, some surprising results along the way as well. Roy Naranda, the number one ranked team in the CHL, they went six games against uh, Shawinigan. Well, to uh, recap the first round and to look ahead to round two, Mike Sanderson, a longtime broadcaster in the Quebec Majors Junior Hockey League, as well as a, a writer for McKean's Hockey. He's my guest. Welcome back to the program, uh, Mike. How are you? Hey, always my pleasure here, Guy. Uh, well, I appreciate you making the time once again. Uh, what was the biggest surprise in round one for you? Uh, I, I think in in a close horse race, I think you got to give it to the Moncton upset over Bay Camo. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily the most surprising result, uh, but I think the fact that it did go the distance and Moncton ended up pulling it off, I think was the biggest story uh, in the queue in the first round. If Quebec ends up beating Halifax in Game 7 last night, then that would be the biggest story, but it's funny how that always works out, that an almost upset just kind of becomes a footnote uh, in the story of some team seasons, whereas if the upset happens, it's huge and massive. Uh, so I guess kudos to Halifax for being the first team in three years uh, to host the Memorial Cup to get out of the first round. Uh, but uh, for Moncton, I, I think that's the biggest story. And Moncton 
beats a, a favorite Bay Como team by doing a couple things very, very well. Their goaltending ended up outplaying Bay Como's goaltending. Francis Leclerc of a 932 save percentage outplayed the acquired Alex Dorio, who put up a 9-10 over the course of the series. And Moncton's uh, coach, Don Torchetti, outcoached Martin Bernard. And it's that, it's that simple. Uh, the fact that Moncton could sustain their defensive presence, they kept shots to the outside, they did a great job of making those in-game adjustments and in-series adjustments, and I think the Wildcats' upset of the Drakkar in round one uh, was a story, especially missing Jordan Spence for the whole series and Jacob Pelche for most of it. All right, well, we might as well start with the, the series between Halifax and Moncton then in round two, and that's an interesting footnote you had with Halifax being the first Memorial Cup team to win in the first round or not be eliminated in the first round. In how many years did you say? Three? Uh, three, yeah, because Regina was knocked out last year and then Windsor the year before. Yeah, so it's uh, been a tough go for the hosts here as of late. But uh, maybe for Halifax, that was the wake-up call that they needed to get back on track. Uh, how do you set up the series between the Mooseheads and the Wildcats here in round two? Well, I will tell you, it might be bold. I might go out on a limb a little bit and put the Wildcats in a victory mode in this series, despite it being 7-1. to one. Uh, Halifax, obviously the favorite team coming into it. Uh, this is the fifth time that both teams are meeting. I have Moncton in six games in this series because... Despite the fact the Mooseheads held the season edge series in six games to two, Moncton's played Halifax tough all year. Many of those games were close. Only one of those games was decided by more than two goals. And the fact that the Wildcats are pushing through being able to beat Bay Como, as we mentioned, with some injury troubles, they're going to be missing Alexi Antolainen for game one, for sure. Jacob Hudson didn't play in game seven. Jordan Spence is still out, for sure, for game one. And uh, Jacob Peltier really on one leg right now. He had one point in three games in the Bay Camo series. So uh, despite that, I like the fact that Moncton can put together a solid effort like they did in the previous series against Bay Camo. I think that they're a better team defensively than Halifax has shown. And Moncton's a rougher team than Quebec is. And Halifax had trouble putting up some points in games against Anthony Pagliarulo in Quebec, a goaltender who the Remparts acquired basically for a song at Christmas. And uh, Leclerc just won a goalie battle against Alex Dorio. So, uh, you know, I like Moncton's chances in this series. It's going to be a series much like the last one for Moncton, where they come out, shot them just about every game. Uh, Moncton was outshot by 70 shots nearly, but dangerous shots were much closer, and Moncton kept those shots to the outside, as we mentioned. So um, Halifax has the edge in offense, of course. Uh, they have a bit of an edge on defense, though I do like Moncton's defense core the way they're playing now. Uh, but this matchup, I think, benefits Moncton. It's much like playing Big Camo again. And Halifax, throughout the year, they have struggled to put together solid efforts. They basically played three good games in their seven against Quebec. That's games three, six, and uh, last night in game seven. Um, they've struggled at times this year, and they haven't been as powerful as some would have expected. Raphael Labois, to his credit, was probably the best player in the entire first round. He has 13 points, had points in every game in a series and in games where Halifax really needed them to. And if you look on paper, the way this Mooseheads team is built, they shouldn't need to rely on Raphael Lavois solely to put points up on the board. And they had to at times in this series. And not only that, but Alex Gravel was not solid in this series with the exception of game six and seven. He was pulled in game two. So uh, Halifax made some adjustments through their series against Quebec. Uh, they took some stupid penalties early. They cut those out, and Quebec started taking some more as they got frustrated. The, the Remparts team was interesting. I know we mentioned uh, after Christmas about how uh, Patrick Waugh made 15 trades for the Quebec Remparts and how he, he kind of retooled the team in his image. And this Quebec Remparts team was very much more like Patrick Waugh than any other Remparts team I think that he's had. And in game six, 
Halifax had a goal that counted that was a little bit controversial that Patrick Waugh was a little demonstrative about afterwards. And Halifax, in the anger and in the emotion of the Quebec Remparts, was able to put another goal up because the Remparts were distracted. So uh, Patrick Waugh was very much a temperature check for this Remparts team. Um, Halifax was able to take advantage of that. And, uh, you know, if Moncton ends up in that situation, they have a couple of players who could be put off their games, in particular Alex Ivanov. If you check him close... Uh, you can take him out of the series pretty well. So, uh, you know, there's definite matchups, there's definite storylines in this series, but I think Moncton's got as good a chance as any uh, to knock off the Memorial Cup hosts. Wow, well, it might be one of the more interesting series in round two of the uh, CHL to watch then. Uh, let's go to uh, Roy Noranda and uh, Victoriaville. Uh, mentioned the Huskies uh, needed six games to get past Shawinigan. Now, is that a credit to the Cataract or... Is that uh, the uh, Roy Naranda Huskies maybe overlooking their opponent in round one? Uh, I think it's fair to say that it's both. I think that uh, you look at, uh, certainly on the way in, it was daunting for the Schwinnigan Cataracts. It's the biggest points difference in the history of the queue for a series. Uh, the 86 points between the two teams would have been enough for home ice advantage uh, in either conference. So obviously a large disparity between the two teams, and the talent on paper is a very large disparity uh, between the Huskies and the Cataracts, but uh, the Cataracts basically came into the series with nothing to lose, and Justin Blanchet came in in game two. He was the hero of the series. He had two wins. He made a huge amount of stops uh, for Shawinigan, and for the Huskies, I think at the start, you can certainly say that they looked ahead of Shawinigan and said, well, this is a 33-point team. I think we can easily dust them off and take a week off and await our second-round opponent. But by the end of Game 4, if you look at the penalties the Huskies were taking and you look at uh, some of the situations that they got in the end of Game 4, which was the game that Shawinigan won to go 2-2, it was clear the Cataracts were not only in their heads, but they were there rent-free with the windows open making bacon. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Shawinigan definitely got into their heads quite a bit. Um, and it's to the advantage of their young players like Maverick Bork and Jan Dros, the Pittsburgh prospect, who instead of getting stomped in four, they had some meaningful experience on top of it. But uh, the Huskies were able to put that past them, and they were able to uh, come in and, and, and finish off the series finally. But I think they worked a little bit harder uh, than they wanted to. And this, this Victoriaville team they're going to take on uh, is somewhat similar to Shawinigan, obviously a better team than Shawinigan, uh, but set up. Somewhat similarly, Tristan Cote-Kazanov, their goaltender, is just as capable as just have Blanchette to steal games. And uh, Bramov and Sergiuk up front are stronger than Drosk and Maverick Bork, as we mentioned him. And you add in Dominic Cormier on the back end, who had uh, eight points in the playoffs so far, nine points in the playoffs in his uh, seven-game series against Valdor that went to overtime. So um, the Tigers are going to be a tough enough task for the Huskies. Uh, I still see the Huskies winning that series. I think that they have woken up a little bit, uh, though I'd like to see Louis Philip Cote get a little bit more involved in the series. He just had two points, and that's that's not going to get it done. But the Huskies are deep enough that it doesn't really matter what Louis Philip Cote does. He's an additional part to that team, and I think that uh, the Huskies are too deep and they're too strong offensively to really let Victo put the scare that Shawinigan put into them. Uh, but uh, I don't think that series is going to be easy either. All right, we'll watch for that. What was that analogy again? That was hilarious. I had not heard that one before. <laughs> There, Shawinigan's not only not only are they living rent free in uh, the Huskies' heads, but they were in their in their kitchen with the windows open, making making, bacon. making some bacon. Oh, that is great! That's a good one. All right, uh, I might have to steal that. Well, let's go to uh, <laughs> Drummondville taking on uh, the Sherbrooke Phoenix. Uh, Drummondville, I'm guessing, would be the favorite in this series, but anything can happen. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that uh, Drummondville is uh, the team that's going to have the easiest time out of the eight teams remaining. I think just the way that Sherbrooke is constructed and the way that Drummondville so dismantled Gatineau. And you got to give a huge shout-out to Remy Poirier, the 17-year-old goaltender. He kept Gatineau in the series as well as he could. Uh, but uh, Drummondville, I mean, just, just to put it into perspective, in a five-game series, Drummondville outshot Gatineau 225-83. to 83. Uh, So uh, certainly in terms of shots, in terms of offense, obviously the Volts bring it, and we knew that. They have the best offense in the league coming in. Uh, for context, by the way, Halifax in seven games took 235 shots. So uh, just in, in the context of the, the Voltigeurs' offense, they certainly brought it against Gatineau. Um, and Sherbrooke is built in a way that their offense kind of runs the same as Drummondville's does. They're not so capable defensively. Uh, they need to run a little bit more of a run-and-gun style, and that does not work to their advantage in this series. It was the Sam Poulant series against the Blanville Buffer Armada. Uh, Poulin was knocked out of game one. The Armada won big five to one, and then the Phoenix won the next four straight by at least three goals. But, uh, you know, coming to the series, the Volts, they want it to be that track meet. They want it to uh, be a run and gun style because they've beaten every team with a run and gun style so far this year. And uh, the Phoenix coming in, they need to play that in order to be at their best. They bring a goaltender who's not the most experienced in Dakota Lund She played well in the first round, uh, but Drummondville certainly way different from the Armada, a team that didn't have a lot of offensive weapons. So, uh, barring one Cornish coming out by surprise and stealing a game or two, I think this is a short series in Drummondville's favor. All right, we'll watch for that. And the uh, last series in round two uh, features the Ramuski Oceanic or Oceanique uh, against the uh, Screaming Eagles of Cape Breton. Uh, size up this matchup for us. This one is the toughest one for me to pick. It's a matchup that's never happened before. Uh, the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles have never played Ramuski uh, in a playoff series. In fact, three of the four series uh, in this second round have never happened before. Uh, but Cape Breton's a team that they hang around really well, and both teams come in having won four in a row as uh, the Screaming Eagles drop the first two and then won four in a row. Uh, Ramuski has been off for a while. They're the team that's going to be off the most coming into this uh, series as they swept uh, the uh, Shikurumi Saganians. Uh, but in the case of Cape Breton, they were in a very tough series against Charlottetown. Uh, Mitch Ball must put in 11 points uh, in the series. And uh, Cape Breton has a younger team, but their advantage in their experience, they've been able to put a lot of it together. They have some pretty good veterans uh, on their team as well, who they went out and got at Christmas and before the season. And Ramuski hasn't faced adversity in a while. And last year, with much of the same team, when they did face adversity, uh, it didn't go so well because they got beat by Moncton in the third biggest upset in Q history. So, um, you know, I think this is another rough series. I think that Cape Breton can bring a lot of the physicality that they had to bring in round one. I think they can bring it again in round two. And uh, in Ramuski, they're not built as that physical a team. They have some physical defenders, in particular uh, their captain, Dastu, in the back end, who should be getting some pro interest if he hasn't already. He should be looking for a pro contract, and I think he can easily find one. Um, I think it's going to be another big series for Alexi Lafreniere, which shouldn't surprise anybody. Uh, but um, beyond that, it'll be interesting to see the goaltending battle, as Colton Ellis and Kevin Mandelise were both Cape Breton Screaming Eagle products uh, until Cape Breton traded Ellis to Ramuski, and then Ellis ended up winning Defensive Rookie of the Year last year. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a very interesting series. Like I said, I don't know who to go with because 
both matchups are so intriguing in different ways. I like the fact that Cape Breton can play physical, but they also were very disciplined in their series against Charlottetown. Uh, Ramuski not as much in their four-game sweep. So we'll see uh, what comes out of that. But honestly, I don't. That's a pick'em series to me. All right. Well, I love the sidebar story too with Colton Ellis uh, going up against his former team. All right. So we're looking at Roy Naranda and Drummondville, and uh, you're picking Moncton, and then a coin flip uh, for the other series of the eight teams left. Who's got the best goalie? I think uh, I think you can go with uh, Olivier Rodrigue in Drummondville. I think uh, he's a goalie that hasn't really been tried yet. I know he's had some injury trouble uh, in the last little bit, and actually I'm going to look to see if he even played in the last series. Uh, but uh, if if he is to get in, he's definitely an X factor. Uh, he has not played since then, so I'm going to retract that answer very quickly uh, because I forgot he is still injured. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Samuel Harvey. I think that Harvey still has more to give uh, in terms of the Ruin Aranda Huskies um, and against Victoriaville, a team that if uh, Harvey puts up some good numbers, I think that the Tigers will be stymied quite a bit. They have a decent offense. They mismatch his heavy up front, uh, frankly, Victo does, but uh, I think that Sam Harvey is definitely a good option. Francis LeClaire has been playing excellent for Moncton. And uh, he stole a lot of the series against Big Camo, and I think that he's another goaltender to look out for as well. Excellent. Mike, terrific setup for round two. Looking forward to the action that gets going this weekend. We'll chat again. Oh, of course. Thank you so much. Mike Sanderson, a longtime broadcaster in the queue, longtime contributor here on the Pipeline Show as well. Been talking to Mike uh, for several years on this program, and he always does a fantastic job. Something about having a guest where you can ask a short question and the guest runs with it and is able... It's not like he's long-winded because long-winded usually uh, indicates that it's just ongoing, blah, 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 and not a lot of content. Mike can talk for a long time and uh, has so much to say and has great in-depth analysis. Always appreciate uh, when uh, Mike makes time to come on the show. There's a few guests that come to mind that are like that who, you know, you can just tee up a question and they'll they'll talk for, you know, a couple, two, three minutes if you let them. Uh, Mike is one of them. AJ Jackiebeck, another one as well. Voice of the Ottawa 67s. Those guys are great. All right, when it comes to uh, predictions in the queue, for me personally, it's uh, the league that I uh, see the least uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, but I will take uh, Roy Naranda and Drummondville to win in a short series, maybe five. Uh, I could. I'm going to actually take Drummondville to win in a sweep. Um, the Halifax Moncton series is really interesting, especially after hearing Mike's take on it. He's picking Moncton. I guess I'll still take Halifax, but maybe I'll go seven. And uh, with enough overtime uh, periods involved, that it might turn out to be eight or nine games. Uh, and in the um, Ramuski-Cape Breton series, I'm going to go with Colton Ellis uh, coming back to haunt his uh, former team. So I'm picking Ramuski in that one. So kind of boring. I'm taking all the uh, the home teams, the higher seeds, but I do think a couple of those series uh, will be longer. Up next, as we move westward, it'll be the Ontario Hockey League, uh, round two in the OHL. And my guest is Brad Cojamilio from uh, Sioux Today in Sault Ste. Marie. That's up next here on the Pipeline Show. Here's Perlini. Perlini loads it up, and he scores! It's a hat Hey, it's Brendan Perlini from Niagara Ice Dogs, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. 
The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with... If one of y'all says some silly-ass name, this whole class is going to feel my wrath. Gee Flaming. Son of a bitch. Back on The Pipeline Show this week and uh, looking ahead to uh, round two of uh, all the CHL playoffs across all three leagues. In this segment, we're going to speak with our CHL insider today, who is uh, Brad Cogemilio from uh, Sioux Today. Uh, before I bring Brad in, reminders, uh, the CHL Insider segment is brought to you by the store next door. If you're in the Edmonton area, collect all your broken hockey sticks, take them to United Cycle. They're going to ship them out east to the store next door. It's a company that employs people with disabilities, and uh, they make some really cool stuff uh, out of it, uh, tables and chairs and all sorts of decorations. Uh, look great if you have a sports bar or if uh, you just want to put it in your man cave or your den, whatever you want. Uh, recommend you check out the store next door.ca. And, uh, if you're in the Edmonton area, take them to United Cycle, drop them off. Uh, no cost involved to you for, for doing that. And if you're outside of the Edmonton area, you can get them to uh, the store next door. Contact them and see uh, where they have various drop off points right across the country. All right. My guest today is Brad Cogemilia from Sue today. Welcome back to the pipeline show. Brad, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure as always. Uh, my pleasure uh, to get a chance to speak with you. Exciting times, obviously. Uh, getting to uh, the second round of the playoffs. The team in your backyard uh, is in one one of the uh, clubs moving on from round one and did it fairly easily. In fact, most of these series in the OHL, none of them went past uh, five games. So, uh, no surprises really in the first round, was there? No, not at all. Um, you know, it was it was very quick too. Like you said, it was. Um, you know, in total, I think there was 35 games played in, in round one in the OHL this year, which is, uh, I think that might be an all-time low or very close to it. Um, you know, like you said, there was, uh, you know, no series, won more than five games. Um, you know, all the teams that were expected to move on, uh, move on did. And, you know, there were no, uh, like you said, no real surprises at all. And, you know, this is going to make uh, make things fun in round two, that's for sure. Yeah, only three teams won a game and then lost the series. North Bay, Peterborough, and Owen Sound all won one game in their series, but they're all they're all done now. All right, so let's get to the uh, to the second round. We'll start with the team in your backyard. The Sioux Greyhounds will take on the Saginaw Spirit. And uh, interestingly enough, these two teams tie points in a regular season, but by the virtue of what one home win or one win more. Uh, the Greyhounds will start on the road at the Saginaw Spirit with home ice advantage in this series. That close. Uh, not a lot to pick between these two teams, is there? Well, and, that, and that's just it, right? Like, they played eight times during the regular season, and uh, Saginaw ended up winning the season series 4-3-1-0. So Saginaw is, uh, you know, it basically came down to, you know, it literally came down to the last weekend of the regular season. Um, the Sioux and Saginaw played twice the last weekend of the regular season. The Greyhounds won an overtime uh, on the Thursday night in Saginaw, and that ended up, Saginaw getting that extra point in that game ended up being the difference hmm. because Saginaw would end up losing 
I believe it was two nights later to London, which would have made the last day of the regular season Saginaw on the road in the Sioux deciding the division title and second place in the conference. But because of that single point, so like it literally came down to, you know, the last day of the regular, last couple of days of the regular season. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it was one of those things that it was just, yeah, it couldn't have, it couldn't have came down any closer. And, you know, I, I, I expect this series to kind of be that close. Um, you know, these are two teams that are, you know, very evenly matched. The goaltending is good both ways. And, you know, it's um, you know it's going to be exciting, I and mean, I, I think a lot of people in the league are looking forward to it. All right, if you're looking at it from the Greyhounds' perspective, from the team's perspective, what scares you about Saginaw? What's what? What do you have to worry about? Yeah, you know what? I mean, their their top line is is really dangerous uh, with Owen Tippett, uh, Ryan McLeod, and Cole Perfetti. Uh, you know, McLeod's uh, an Edmonton guy, and uh, you know, Tippett, a Florida guy, and then Perfetti's in his first year. He's a 16-year-old, and he's been absolutely outstanding this year. His numbers have been, you know, through the roof. And, um, you know, his numbers were really good before being put on the line with uh, with McLeod and, and Tippett, you know, after the deadline. So, you know, that's going to be tough. Um, you know, they brought in an overage defenseman before the deadline, too, and Justin Murray from Barry. And, you know, he had a good round one, so, you know, he can move the puck very well. And, you know, it's it, it's going to be tough to contain guys like that. Um, you know, they're they're a team that uh, you know has definitely taken a, a very big jump this year, and you know it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, you know how the Greyhounds can manage to you know kind of keep those guys at bay. Um, you mentioned goaltending it might be a bit of a saw off here. Who are the two goaltenders in this series for people outside the league who are uh, looking in with interest? Uh, what do they need to know about the goalies for both clubs? Yeah, so and with Saginaw, you're looking at Ivan Prozvedov. He came in uh, as an import pick this year. He's an Arizona Coyotes prospect. Uh, he, he struggled a little bit early. There were it, it was a kind of a tough situation because when he first joined the team, his visa he was only able to play games in the states. Hmm. So he was basically only able to play home games. And when Saginaw was in Flint and Erie, so there was a stretch where he hadn't played. Uh, a road game, you know, basically outside the country of the United States for uh, for a good stretch early in the year. So, you know, he battled some consistency issues, but he's gotten better. He's, uh, you know, he's a guy who made some headlines earlier in the year for doing cartwheels when he was selected as a star at home. And, yeah. um, you know, he's a guy who, uh, you know, he's a guy who's who's drawn some attention and, you know, he's he's put up good numbers. And on the other side, Matt Volta, you know, who's been, you know, absolutely outstanding. He's, uh, you know, he's an LA Kings pick, uh, with the Greyhounds. And, you know, he's a kid who, who came in as a free agent, made the team, uh, was never drafted into the OHL. And, you know, his, uh, his stretch here with the team has been unbelievable. You know, the kids, you know, very calm, even on a night when he, you know, when he, when he maybe gives up a bad goal, it's, you know, it's right back to work. Uh, I remember the Greyhounds coach, John Dean, telling me, you know, after one game, it was, he ended up, uh, I forget who it was against, but he ended up, he gave up one goal early in the hockey game. And during the media timeout, came over the, came over the bench and, you know, basically said to his teammates, okay, guys, don't worry. That's the only one they're getting. You guys can go do the rest. I got this. And he ended up giving one goal and they ended up winning the game. So he's a, he's a kid who's confident and, you know, he's a, he's a guy who's, like I said, very calm in, in, in goal. And, you know, that tends, you know, it tends to wear off on, on the rest of the group as well. Speaking with uh, Brad Cogemilio from Sioux today uh, here on the Pipeline Show. Now, it's the usual suspects, familiar names for the Greyhounds leading the way. Barrett Hayton, Morgan Frost, Keegan Howdershell. Uh, we're used to those names. 
Jaden Pekka kind of coming out of nowhere here in the playoffs. He's fourth in team scoring. He's got eight points in five games. His uh, production this year, he actually had fewer points than the uh, previous season after coming over uh, from Barry. Uh, what's happened here for uh, Jaden Pekka? Just taking on a bigger role, more opportunity. What is it? Yeah, I mean, I think with him, it's you know he's in a, he's in a situation where he's you know he's playing in a system that fits his style. He works very hard, but they you know the grounds have been uh, you know a puck possession team for for a number of years, and he you know he he basically has has found a way to thrive in it and. You know, during the playoffs, he, he's been a little, and as funny as it sounds, he's been a little snake bit at times. Uh, you know, the kids had a ton of chances to score, but, you know, his numbers have been really good. And, you know, he's a kid who's fit into the system, you know, basically the top six forward here. And, you know, he's played, uh, he's played extremely well after, uh, after the trade from Barry over the scene. All right, so I, I, fair to say this, uh, you know, I was if we're going to talk about predictions, might be pointless. So this is a coin flip series. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I'd be shocked if this, you know, series doesn't go like at least six or seven. Um, you know, it's, it's one, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, this is a, this is a series that it's going to come down to, you know, come down to little things. I, I talked to Chris Lazary, uh, you know, earlier today and, you know, he basically said, you know what, special teams are going to be, you know, going to be a difference maker. And, you know, this is a, this is a series that's probably going to come down to, you know, a team capitalizing on mistakes. All right, let's look at the other series. Uh, the winner of the Saginaw Sioux series, Sioux, uh, Sioux St. Marie series, will end up playing the winner between London and Guelph. Now, uh, the Knights and the Storm finished nine points uh, between them in the regular season, but uh, again, this is basically a coin flip. The Guelph Storm really loaded up at the deadline, so their regular season numbers can probably forget that a little bit. Uh, how do you see that series? Yeah, that's you know that's one that uh, you know like you said Guelph is. You know, is, is on a bit of a roll after loading up. You know, they've added some some extremely high end talent. You know, you look at you know guys like Nick Suzuki, and um, you know this is a this is a group that's you know extremely skilled. Um, you know, they they had eleven different guys score goals in the first round against Kitchener, you know, in four games, and um, you know that that's a that's a team that you know if they if they get the goaltending from from Anthony Popovich, who's you know, the guy's been around the league for a couple of years and, you know, he's, he's, you know, maybe not necessarily considered, you know, one of the high, high end guys, but you know, he's a guy that's just got to go out there and just make the stops. And, you know, if they get good goaltending out of him, they're extremely, extremely dangerous. And, you know, on the other side, uh, you know, London's a team that's got two capable goaltenders, goaltenders and Jordan Coy and Joseph Raymakers. And, you know, it's a, it's a team that's, you know, again, is extremely skilled up front. Uh, you know, Adam Boxes had, uh, you know, had a real good round one against Windsor, and um, you know this is a this is a series that you know is probably I, I don't think the head to head matchups during the regular season the London uh, London ended up winning. I, I don't think it necessarily does it justice. That you know this series is going to be you know it's going to be very back and forth between you know two teams that have uh, you know have a very good rivalry. So this is a series that you know again is probably going to be a six or seven gamer. You mentioned Adam Boquist, uh, Evan Bouchard leading the OHL in scoring yep. by defenseman right now with 10 points in, in four games, which is, those are really, really great numbers. And I, I, you know, I'm in Edmonton, so Whaler fans are interested to, to follow his progress this year. How have you sort of seen his development this season? Yeah, he's a guy that, uh, you know, he eats up an absolute ton of minutes for, for London. And, you know, he's, uh, you know, the kid who, you know, basically, you know, the Knights offense goes through him and Boquist. I mean, those are, 
you know, those are the two guys that kind of, you know, the straws that stir to the drink, so to speak, to you know, kind of throw out the cliche there. But I mean, those are two guys that have been, you know, been very good. You know, Bouchard, he can skate. He's, you know, he moves the puck well. He's, you know, he's got that offensive skill and he's got a heavy shot from the point. Uh, you know, there were a couple of times when you know, he's been into play, uh, play against the Sioux and, you know, everything through their power play tends to go through him. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, pretty much plays at the top of the point and, you know, they're getting pucks to him to try to get through uh, on the power play. So, you know, he's a guy who, who runs things and you know, he's been a, a very, very elite player for London this year. I can tell you there's a lot of buzz growing around these parts about Dmitry Samarukov, uh, the defenseman with the Guelph Storm. So those two guys will be going head to head. What have you seen from uh, Samarukov? Yeah, you know, I mean, he's a guy who, uh, you know, he's a guy who's come over and had an impact for Guelph. He's, you know, he's played, he's played real well in his time with the Storm. And, you know, he, he's a kid who's, who's got some offensive skill, but, you know, he's got a, he's got a bit of a physical side. He's got a bit of a, you know, a mean side at times. And, um, you know, you, I, I don't know necessarily that you see it all the time, but he's a guy who, you know, who holds it, who can hold his own for sure when, you know, when games tend to get physical, which is, you know, which is yeah, absolutely outstanding. I mean, you want to, you know, you want a guy who, you know, can kind of do both, right? If, you know, if you've got a guy who's got a bit of a physical edge, the fact that he's got an offensive ability is, is huge. So, you know, he's a guy who, you know, I, I don't blame pro fans, NHL fans for being excited to, you know, to see what his development's going to be. Cause, you know, he's a guy who's probably got a, you know, probably got a good looking career ahead of him. Now the Knights have home ice advantage in this series, but as you mentioned, Guelph's been on a bit more of a, a roll here to finish the regular season and into the playoffs. Is this also a coin flip? I mean, if, if the lower seed wins, is it a shock? Yeah, I wouldn't say, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a situation where I wouldn't say it would be a shock. I mean, I, you know, I, I look at Guelph and with how talented they are, you know, that's a, that's a team that it wouldn't surprise me if they beat London. Um, you know, I would, I would look at this one and I would say London is the favorite in the series. Um, you know, but it's, I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be one of those ones where it's, London head and shoulders above uh, above Guelph. I think this is a series that, you know, again, it's going to be like the Greyhound series. It's going to come down to, you know, come down to the little things. It's going to come down to special teams. It's going to come down to, you know, getting a save out of, you know, whether it's Anthony Popovich in, in Guelph or Jordan Coy slash, you know, Joe Raymakers in London. It's, you know, it's going to be that type of series where it's going to come down to the little things making a difference. Brad Cogemilio, my guest here on the Pipeline Show, looking at the OHL's playoffs in round two. Uh, let's go to the Eastern Conference. The Ottawa 67s top team in the OHL. They'll take on Sudbury, both teams winning their first round series by a sweep. Uh, how do you size up this matchup? I think everybody's expecting the 67s to be the favorite, but you give Sudbury uh, a puncher's chance? Yeah, you know what I mean? That's a, that's a series that they haven't, they haven't played each other since November. So, you know, they're in a situation where they, you know, they essentially split, uh, in the first round. Um, you know, Ottawa, Ottawa won the first meeting and then Sudbury won the second meeting in, in overtime. So that's, you know, that's a series that again, it's going to come down to, it's going to come down to Sudbury getting the goal pending. Um, you know, it's going to come down to, you know, Uko Pekka and basically doing what he does best and coming up big in big games. Um, you know, if Sudbury's going to have a chance to, you know, give Ottawa a scare, uh, it's going to come down to that. But, you know, I, I look at Ottawa and that's, that's a team that's extremely skilled and, you know, it's going to be extremely tough for Ottawa. Well, that's a, a, an excellent goaltending matchup, isn't it, in that series? And you got Michael DiPietro and, and, uh, Uka Pekka Lukanen, uh, going head to head. No, for sure. And that's, you know, that's going to be a lot of fun. I think, 
you know, when it comes down, that's the focus of that series is, you know, basically, you know, two very elite veteran goaltenders, both drafted, Lukanen by Buffalo and DiPietro by Vancouver. So, you know, that's going to be a lot of fun just watching those two and see, you know, kind of see, basically watch them try to out-duel each other. And the last series uh, features the Niagara Ice Dogs and the Oshawa Generals. Uh, not much separating them in the standings. I think two or three points. Um, so this, another, uh, potentially a pick'em series. I know one of the X factors for Niagara, Kirill Maximov uh, didn't play in the first round, correct? Is, is he, uh, maybe getting back to action here for the Ice Dogs? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's going to be the interesting thing is, you know, is if Niagara gets him back in the lineup for round two, um, you know, he's, you know, like you said, he's, a, he's an intriguing player. He's, you know, he's a guy who's been really good for, you know, for Niagara this year. He's a guy who, you know, add some skill, add some, you know, offensive flair to that team. And, um, you know, it's going to be tough because, like you said, that's a, you know, that's a series that, you know, I believe they split their regular season meetings as well. So, you know, that's a that's a series that there's a lot of storyline. There's the Maximoff storyline. There's the fact that, you know, they split in the regular season. And there's the the deal that sent Jack Stignica and Matt Broussard from Oshawa to Niagara at the trade deadline. So, <laughs> There's a ton of, ton of, you know, storylines in that series that, you know, just makes it, it almost feels like it makes that the series to watch just because there's so many different storylines to it. Oh, that's really intriguing when you have a big, and those are big contributors as well that uh, were involved in that trade. So, uh, definitely going to be some, uh, some money on the board there. I would have to think for those players and the, the teams heading into that series. Um, do you have a, a prediction for the, uh, what you'll see in the conference finals? What, what are your expectations? Yeah, you know what I mean? I, I feel like, you know, I feel like, you know, Niagara probably beats Oshawa. And I, I mean, for me, Ottawa's the best team in the conference. I, I mean, I feel like they're going to, you know, not, I wouldn't say make short work of Sudbury, but I figure they'll probably have maybe a bit of the easier road yeah. um, getting there. I wouldn't be shocked to see an Ottawa-Niagara, you know, conference final in the East. And, you know, if I, if I had to pick in the West, I would probably – you know, I would probably look at it and say, you know, I would say London coming out of the London Wall series. And you know what? It's, I've been kind of toying with that Saginaw C series. I feel like it's probably, I feel like Saginaw on seven. Yeah. But I mean, that's, you know, like I said, that's the one that, you know, you could essentially flip a coin and you probably, it probably decides four different ways what happens in that series. Like, I feel like that's going to be the one that's going to be that close. That uh, makes it exciting for sure. Brad, as always, really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the uh, the series. Hey, appreciate you having me on. Thanks as uh, as always for having me. Round two, the OHL playoffs. I think going to be very very interesting to watch. Uh, that was Brad Cojamilio, who was my guest. Uh, thanks to Brad for taking kind of time for the pipeline show today. I always appreciate it when he's able to come on. Uh, I'm looking at the OHL playoffs in round two, and uh, I think this all the series have the potential to be going very long. I could see all four of them going uh, six or seven games. In fact, uh, for my predictions, I'm going to say Ottawa is going to win that series against the Sudbury Wolves, um, but I'm going to say it's going to go six or seven games. Uh, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to say seven games. Huko Pekalukinen uh, is that good of a goaltender. I'll, I'll say Ottawa has um, some trouble with him, uh, but the 67 so deep, so strong, uh, they eventually win out. I will take Niagara over Oshawa. I'll say that one in uh, six games. I'm going to take the uh, Guelph Storm to upset the London Knights. I really like what the Guelph has put together here and the way they've looked in the second half. Uh, so I'm going to take uh, the uh, moderate upset and take the Storm to beat London. I'll say seven games. 
And I think the Saginaw Spirit and the Sioux Grounds will go the distance, and I'm going to take the Spirit. Part of me is just uh, looking for some new blood and not seeing the same old teams all the time. So I'm looking at the Saginaw Spirit. And I have no uh, ties to the Spirit or anything like that, but uh, from that perspective, I'm looking for the story. So I'm taking Saginaw, Guelph, Ottawa, and Niagara in the OHL. That leaves the WHL playoffs. Round two gets going this weekend as well. Les Lazarek, he'll be calling the games for one of those series for the Saskatoon Blades as they get set to take on the PA Raiders. We'll look at the WHL playoffs with Les Lazarek next here on the Pipeline Show. Left wing, the drop pass. Kendry into the offensive zone. Top into the net in front for Madsen. What a save by Dustin Wolf. He stretched out with the glove. Makes the save and covers. Oh, my. 8.37 to go in the second. Hey, it's Dustin Wolf with the Everett Sobertips, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. We touch with the ground. I'm on the hunt down after you. Smell like a sound. I'm lost in the crowd. And I'm hungry like the wolves. You're Edmonton Oil Kings are in the second round of the WHL playoffs at Rogers Place. And it's a battle of Alberta, WHL style against the Calgary Hitmen. Game one is this Saturday night at 7. And game two goes down Sunday at 5 p.m. Edmonton Oil Kings, Calgary Hitmen. Fear the roar of round two in the chase for WHL supremacy. Great family entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $21 a seat for a single game ticket. Save on day of game pricing now at oilkings.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show. We move from the Ontario Hockey League to the Western Hockey League. That means it's an in-the-dub segment brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. Stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League on a daily basis by going to dubnetwork.ca. My guest to set up round two in the WHL playoffs is the voice of the Saskatoon Blades. That's Les Lazarek. Welcome back to the program, Les. How's things? Well, not so bad. Uh, we're getting ready here for something that hasn't happened in quite a few years, round two of the playoffs, and uh, trying to overcome a cold, but uh, we seem to have it uh, knocked back enough that I think we'll be ready to go come Friday for game one in Prince Albert. All right, it should be a beauty series, too, when you get two arch rivals like that going head-to-head. We've got it here in Alberta, too, with Edmonton and Calgary and uh, Spokane and uh and Everett, so there's lots of rivalries across the Western Hockey League in the second round, but let's start with the uh, the series in your backyard. Obviously, Prince Albert's been the number one team in the WHL all season long. I would expect most people would be taking the Raiders uh, to win this series, but uh, don't tell the Blades that because uh, they're in it to win it as well, and that is a very, very good team in Saskatoon. How do you uh, size up this matchup? Well, ultimately, it comes down to the fact that the Blades have to find a way to win a game or two, likely, in this series in Prince Albert. And that's something that they have not done in the regular season. Um, the ability to find a way to win in that hostile environment, and it is really a hostile environment. That crowd at the Arthauser Center is right on top of you, and they let you know how they feel about you. And especially if you're the Saskatoon Blades, uh, they can't wait to boo. They can't wait to taunt. They can't wait to try and even get involved in some fans' uh, situations, they try and get involved with, with various people and try and get you off of your game. And, and the Blades' task is to try and block that out, to try and make sure that 
they don't let that kind of thing get under their skin. They're going to have a tough enough time with some of the Raider players on the ice trying to get under their skin, but the fans will try and be involved as well, and they'll be a big part of it, and the Blades have to overcome all of that in order to win, like I say, at least once, if not twice, in order to advance past the Raiders into round three. Both teams sweep their way through uh, the first round. Uh, I always say the first game of the series is the least important because somebody's got to win the first one. It kind of just sets the tone for the rest of the way, but considering neither of these clubs has actually suffered a loss yet, maybe does it make the, the first game that much more important than it would normally in a case where, you know, neither team has faced defeat yet and maybe, uh, you know, you, you get that first loss and it plants the seed of doubt. How important is game one in your mind? Very important. Absolutely important. Uh, I think that what you say is absolutely the case. The fact that neither team has lost a game in the postseason yet have not really faced a lot of adversity. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Uh, perception is not necessarily reality when it comes to the Moose Jaw Saskatoon series. Yes, the Blades won in four straight, but every game was a one goal hockey game. And yes, I know there was a two goal deficit or two goal margin there, but that was with an empty net. And as far as I'm concerned, those count as one goal hockey games. Um, they were all one goal hockey games. And so the Blades didn't have it easy against Moose Jaw. And as such, uh, can't be thinking that you know, this is going to be easy coming up against Prince Albert, and they're going to have to meet adversity as they face against Moose Jaw uh, head-on and try and overcome it as best they can. And I think the same goes for the Raiders. Um, you know, Red Deer gave them as good a push as the Rebels could possibly do, considering they were without Alexander Alexiev in their lineup, and I think that was a huge factor in that uh, in that series as well. But uh, Prince Albert is the kind of team that is going to have to overcome adversity if they face it, and Game 1 is going to be the ultimate adversity for one of these two teams one of them's going to win one of them's going to lose and going into game two it's how that team that loses game one responds in game two is ultimately i think going to tell the tale of this series now it was announced today that the the first what three games are going to be on sportsnet so there'll be the extra tv timeouts and things like that does that pose an advantage for either club i don't think it does because i think both teams like the depth that they have Uh, i think both teams feel that they're pretty deep Top three lines worth. I mean, I don't know how much the fourth lines are going to play as a result, but yeah. uh, that's up to Mitch Love and, and Mark Hapshai to decide. But they also have very deep defense cores um, with, with with six deep. So I'm, I'm I'm thinking that neither side really feels that the extra timeouts are, are going to be that big of a factor. I, they're just going to make things drag out maybe a little bit longer than what they need to. But uh, in some instances, that could be a good thing as well, uh, just adding into the drama as it, as it were. Yeah, oh, I agree. I th- you know, if it was a one-line team, sort of like Moose Jaw, kind of, I think that extra timeout would be more beneficial to a club like that. But yep. when you've got the depth that these two clean- the teams have, I don't think it's a huge, huge advantage. Speaking of Moose Jaw, before we move on to the other series, uh, that last series uh, between the Blades and the Warriors, the way it ended, I got to watch the overtime uh, in that game. Mm-hmm. Didn't last all that long, but the notable at the end of it, the uh, that Tim Hunter did not participate in the traditional. Uh, good sportsmanship uh, handshake between the two teams. And I know that uh, caused quite the stir on Twitter. Uh, has there been any fallout from that? What do you think of it at the time? At the time, I was surprised. I, I was disappointed. Uh, I'm told that he went in to check the offside uh, or apparent offside or the thought that was offside on what was the winning goal, and it was close. So, yes, I, I can believe that he might have gone to check that. But I'd also like to believe that there was time once he had checked it and saw one way or the other that he could have come back out and been involved. Um, so it's disappointing in, in that regard. But, uh, oh, well, that's that's the way it goes. Maybe maybe Tim Hunter's not been on tradition. I don't know. 
Yeah. And I know there was some talk. I think was he not quoted in saying something about sportsmanship by the blades about diving too much and that that was uh, started with uh, something the uh, the Raiders actually said. Uh, well, I was I was going to say this is this is something Guy that is going to come up again here. Yeah. Mark Capshaw is going to jump on this bandwagon and 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 beat upon it here probably going into game one of the series on Friday is making sure that the officials are aware of the blades what they feel is their propensity for diving and he compares what the blades do with the with their new coaching staff with Mitch Love at the helm similar to what he faced as a Western Conference coach and coming up against the Everett Silvertips when it was Kevin Constantine. Of course, Mitch Love played and coached with Kevin Constantine. So the idea is is that there's very similar styles, that very similar uh, thinking goes on between what Mitch Love is doing and what Kevin Constantine used to do. And as such, you can then make the conclusion that the Blades are trying to dive and embellish and trying to draw penalties and that the officials are going to try to, you know, have to be warned about this from the Raiders and from the Warriors before that. Um, <laughs> you know, that's gamesmanship. Uh, that's that's playoff hockey is part of it as well. And we'll see whether or not uh, the officials that Kevin Minch, uh, you know, puts into this series uh, fall for this sort of thing. Les Lazarek is the voice of the Saskatoon Blades. He's my guest here on the Pipeline Show as we're looking at round two of the WHL playoffs. Let's uh, move to the uh, Battle of Alberta. In fact, in Alberta, it's it's always the Battle of Alberta. Is there a nickname for when uh, two Saskatchewan rivals go head to head? It's not the is it the Battle of Saskatchewan? No, not Battle of Saskatchewan. Central Saskatchewan rivalry for this one, as far as I'm concerned, because the two teams are only separated from uh, from door to door by about 75 minutes. Yeah. Um, as far as you know, Saskatoon Regina would be the big city Saskatchewan rivalry because those are the two biggest cities. And beyond that, I don't care what they say in Moose Jaw or Regina or Swift Current because it has no matter to me. But uh, yeah, it, it, I don't think there's any battle of Saskatchewan as per se. All right, let's go to the Battle of Alberta then. Uh, you've seen the All Kings and the, the Hitmen uh, during this season. Uh, I, I'm interested in your take on what we should expect in this series. Well, I think it's going to be a long series. I, I mean, the Hitmen... To me, we're one of the better teams in the league in the second half of the year, and Edmonton certainly finished off very strongly. Got a little bit of a scare from Medicine Hat in the opening round, but won the last three games to win the series. And Calgary, winning mostly road games against the Lethbridge uh, Hurricanes, that one was interesting in that respect. But as far as I can tell, these two teams are going to battle pretty hard. Even though Edmonton seemed to have the better of the regular season series, that goes right out the window. The Central Division all season long amongst the top five teams was so terribly close and the flip-flopping of the standings throughout the year and teams going from first to fifth and back up to first and interchanging in various positions one through five just tells me that it's going to be a massively huge series between the two and that it's a pick as far as I'm concerned. If I had to pick, I'd say Edmonton is favored just because of the way they finished this year, but Calgary's pretty darn good, too, and they knocked off a very good Lethbridge team to get to the second round. Well, Oil Kings have home ice advantage, and maybe in a series like that, uh, like this, that might come into play. Uh, focus on the Oil Kings for a second. Uh, from your perspective, uh, what's, what, what are their strengths? And, and if you can throw out a weakness, uh, what do you think that would be for, when you look at the Oil Kings? Ooh, for the Oil Kings, I think one of their strengths, and it's an underrated strength, I think, is in net. They have that two-headed monster with Dylan Miskew and, and, and Todd Scott in goal. I think that's a strength uh, that is never usually mentioned all that terribly often. I think their defense uh, 
is, is, is quite capable, but I like the fact that they've got some pretty good forwards up front as well, and their depth is probably the thing that is going to try and carry the day for them up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like what they get out of Trey fix and if they can get more out of him in the second round what they got out of him in the first, I mean, he didn't seem to score at the, at the rate we're accustomed to, then the Oil Kings become that much more of a threat come round number two. I don't, I don't see a lot weak in the Oil Kings game. That's, that's the thing. I, I like what they put out there of um, players 1 through 20, really. And conversely, the Hitmen, uh, what's your take on them? Well, Calgary is, is somewhat enigmatic uh, in my mind. Uh, they've been able to do what they've done here recently without key players in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Kastelik continues to be in and out of the lineup due to various different injuries. They've been without Jake Kriske for quite a while, and I don't know when he's coming back. I'd like to get some intel on that. Yeah. They've missed some key people like that along the line, and, and Jack McNaughton in goal has been phenomenal. He's been, uh, I mean, the, the first round was interesting with some of the scores of the games, but he makes a lot of big saves because at times the Hitman defense can give up a lot of good scoring opportunities, and McNaughton is on the highlight reels on a week-to-week basis in the Western Hockey League because of some of the big saves he makes, and he's been forced to do so. So that's maybe the one area of Calgary that has to shore up is their defensive zone play, and if they can do that, then they have a chance to upset the Oil Kings. And the the interesting sidebar story in this series, uh, Steve Hamilton, who is very well liked in this market, uh, returns to Edmonton, but as the coach of the uh, the hated Calgary Hitman, that just puts an extra <laughs> extra cool spin on things, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, I, I think that's really interesting that Steve Hamilton uh, moves down to Calgary and now is going to get a chance to face the Oil Kings, his former team just last year, and being a member of the, of the Oil King organization, for so many years, even during their uh, great runs back in the middle of this decade, um, you know, getting a chance to play against them, I, I think that makes, uh, makes it very, very interesting what's going to happen here in round two with the coaching and behind the benches. All right, let's let's move out to the uh, the West Coast, and uh, we'll, maybe we'll start in the BC division. And it's always uh, tougher for me because I don't get to see the uh, the teams in the Western Conference nearly as much as uh, well the traveling media guys for sure and the play by play guys. Uh, when I look at the Vancouver Giants in the Victoria Royals series, I see Victoria with a really good goaltender, but Vancouver's got more offensive firepower and arguably the best uh, defenseman his age uh, in the Canadian Hockey League in Bowen Byram. Um, how do you see that series? Yeah, it's hard to disagree with what you're saying, Lurgy, with regards to how these teams look. Uh, but Victoria always seems to find a way. And they found a way to get into second place, have home ice advantage in the first round, and uh, riding Griffin outhouse, no doubt about that. They they don't seem to have the strength that they had in past years. In fact, they traded away a very good 20-year-old to Prince Albert at the deadline in Dante Hanoon, and yet they just keep on moving along. I don't know how much that says about the strength of the BC division this year or not. You can discuss that. I, I tend to think that there's maybe something to do that. Yeah. But um, in my mind... Victoria was a, was the best team out of the rest of the bunch in the BC division, and that's the reason why they're coming up against Vancouver. But they should be easy pickings for a Giants team that has, again, two very good goaltenders in Trent Miner and David Tendick. They've got Bowen Byram, who's leading that defense corps, but they've got good defense beyond that. Dylan Plouffe is an outstanding and underrated defenseman on the uh, back end in the Vancouver Giants. And, of course, that. That forward group led by Milos Roman is, uh, is is a tremendous group as well. So I really think this could be a quick uh, BC Division Series, and the Royals will be able to try and prove that it won't be, but I don't know whether they can or not. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think this one could be a quick series as well. 
and maybe that's uh, both of us maybe uh, underestimating what Victoria can do. I just I, I just don't see them having enough offensive attack, uh, but I could be wrong. Uh, the last series is the Everett Silvertips a- against the Spokane Chiefs. At the start of the year, I thought Spokane was going to be the best team in the division, but part of that is because I always seem to underestimate what the silver tips can always put out. Uh, and boy, that team is, uh, uh loaded for bear once again, uh, pardon the pun. Uh, but the silver tips, uh, look like they could be the team to beat, uh, in this series as well. Uh, what's the tale of the tape in your mind? Well, I, li- I like the pun. First of all, Guy, uh, that's great. Uh, they're definitely they're loaded for bear and, uh, and that the head of the bear is, is Dustin Wolf and goal who just, you know, they just seem to go from goaltender to goaltender to goaltender in that organization from, Leland Irving to Carter Hart, and now it's Dustin Wolf, and it's like, wow, you know, where did this kid come from? What he showed last year yeah. as a 16-year-old rookie when he was forced to play games while Hart was away playing with the World Juniors, that he was very capable. It wasn't just the team in front of him, although they do play a style that allows for a goaltender to have success, but they are so good team-wise. Their structure is phenomenal, and they're difficult to get out of that structure. You have to score that opening goal in order to force, and maybe even get the first two goals in order to force them out of their comfort zone. If you don't get that first goal, man, you're going to see a steady diet of whatever system it is they throw, whether it's whether you think it's a trap, whether you think it's a left-wing lock, whether you think it's whatever. Whatever, whatever that system is that they utilize out there that Dennis Williams has, um, the silver tips executed so terribly well, and as a result, they are, they're tough to bet against. They're, they're tough to go up against, and Spokane has some people that can definitely do some things against it. I mean, Jared Anderson Dolan obviously is, is, a, is a key factor there. Mm-hmm. But to me, the problem in Spokane might end up being is, is how good their defense can be and can they keep the UT Silver Tips from getting that opening goal early uh, and can they kill off the power plays? Because if there's one thing that the Silver Tips do do well while playing well defensively is they execute special teams. And if they can get power play goals and kill off Spokane's power play, well, it, it becomes a moot point then, no matter what the Chiefs do five on five. Uh, the Chiefs do have some uh, talent, as you mentioned. You mentioned Jared Anderson Dolan. I think we're still, personally, I'm still waiting to see the best of Jared Anderson Dolan. I don't think he's uh, had the season uh, quite yet that uh, he wanted to have. Uh, obviously, injury uh, played a part of that. But uh, you, yep. you got Ty Smith on the back end. Riley Woods yep. seems to have really taken off here in the playoffs as well. And uh, Luke Toporowski, Adam Beckman, two draft-eligible guys uh, leading the attack for the Chiefs. So they definitely have the firepower. Uh, my question mark might be in goal for, for Spokane. At least head-to-head doesn't seem like they match up that well with Everett. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, except that I know Bailey Birkin played some great hockey for them at, and stretches during the course of this year. So it's hard to discount them, but when you take a look at the consistent excellence of Dustin Wolf, then yeah, probably goaltending would be the area you'd look at and say, that's probably where Everett wins. But I also think that special teams is going to be an area that Everett might have an advantage on in Spokane as well. All right, Les, that's the preview for round two. have to ask you about some news uh, today. The uh, Winnipeg Ice, yeah. no longer the Kootenai Ice, uh, acquired the rights yes. to uh, Carter Savoy, who happens to be... Uh, a real good player on his own right to playing in the Alberta Junior Hockey League this year with the Sherwood Park Crusaders. They're in the finals uh, in the uh, North Division right now, and he's leading that team in scoring. But uh, his little brother, Matthew Savoy, of course, we all know that name now. He's <laughs> expected to be the first overall pick in the draft. Well, maybe because he's already committed to Denver College, or Denver University, rather, like Carter Savoy is. Now the ice, they'll pick up the rights to Carter Savoy, 
And that really changes the, the complexion of, of things. How does this play out? Is this just the, the ice trying to get all, as much, uh, an advantage as they can? Um, and now they, they have basically a month to try to, uh, woo the family and, uh, and get a commitment from uh, both kids. It's a gamble, but I think it's a, it's a gamble I think you have to take. Um, and yes, it's going to cost you, you know, at least one draft pick. And that's the thing. It's not like they had to give up a lot yeah. in order to get the rights to Carter Savoy, a fifth round selection in 2019, two conditionals. And obviously those conditionals are, if they can get both of those guys to commit to playing for the Winnipeg ice, if they can do so, you gladly do it because every report I get on Matthew Savoy, and you've probably seen him a lot more than I have, Guy, but the Blade Scouts tell me that he's everything that is advertised, that he is a possible generational talent and certainly one of the best to come down the pipe, so to speak, um, over the course of time here in out of Western Canada, and a guy that probably deserved to get exceptional status and play in the Western Hockey League at age 15. I'm, I'm still not sure why it is that you know, Hockey Canada chose not to and, yeah. uh, and yet allows people from Ontario, it seems, every second year to gain exceptional status. But that's a discussion for another time. Uh, if, if the ice can somehow woo the Savoy family into letting both Carter and Matthew play for them, wow. Going into that new building that they're going to end up with a couple of years down the line, that's a, that's a phenomenal gamble I think you have to take on their part. And uh, I wish them all the best in it. Maybe not too much luck from a opposition <laughs> point of view, but I, I think from a Western Hockey League point of view, you wish them the best of luck because if you can woo those types of kids to your league, then it only helps out the league, period, further on down the line. Well said, Les, uh, as always. I really appreciate your insight into uh, round two in the WHL. Uh, we'll be listening, not watching on TV. We'll be listening to the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Guy, yes. <laughs> All right, Les, thanks for this. See ya. We'll be following you as well. All right. <laughs> See you, for sure. That's Les Lazarek, the uh, voice of the Saskatoon Blades, getting ready to uh, call the game one uh, tonight here in, uh, not here in Prince Albert, uh, over there in Prince Albert, but should be a great series. Uh, and I think most people are probably picking Prince Albert to win that series based on what they've done all season long. Worth mentioning, Saskatoon actually has the best record in the WHL in the second half of the year. So interesting matchup there. Uh, I will say, if I'm going to pick, I'm, I'll pick Prince Albert, but I think that one could go seven games. I'm going to say seven games, but the the Prince Albert Raiders uh, come away victorious. The uh, other series in the Eastern Conference, the Edmonton Oil Kings, the Calgary Hitmen. Edmonton dominated the regular season series between the two teams. I will pick them to win the series as well, but uh, I'm going to give uh, Calgary some uh, more credit than I think most people are giving them. I'm going to go uh, six, maybe even seven games, but I'll say six uh, for the Oil Kings in that series. Um, in the West, I like Vancouver and I like Everett. Uh, both of those teams look pretty formidable. Um, so I'm going to take the two favorites in the uh, the Western Conference. So really, I guess in all four series, I'm taking the higher seed. So that's lame and boring on my part. I apologize. One segment left to go on the show. It's a good one. The top-rated defenseman in the class of 2019. He's in the 2019 draft spotlight. Bowen Byram of the Vancouver Giants Get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show. Corbett Mayo wants Corbett at last. They score! Score! Curtis Lazar! Dip called the Corbett offering. The Oil Kings are going to the Memorial Cup Championship Final. Hey, this is Curtis Lazar, the Memorial Cup Champion on the Edmonton Oil Kings, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Ooh, that's a bingo. <laughs> and we're back on the Pipeline Show. We'll wrap up this episode of uh, the show for the week with a 2019 draft spotlight. And my guest to uh, uh, put under the spotlight today is a defenseman with the uh, Vancouver Giants, one of the uh, top, in fact, I think he is the top-ranked defenseman for the 2019 draft. My pleasure to welcome Bowen Byram to the uh, Pipeline Show. Bowen, welcome to the program. How are you? Hello. Uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, it's a, an opportunity, a great opportunity to get a chance to speak with you today uh, as the uh, second round of the playoffs are right around the corner now. And uh, maybe just tell me about the, the the mood of the team going into round two as you'll square off against an arch rival here with the Victoria Royals. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I mean, lots of the guys on our team haven't haven't totally been past the first round in the playoffs, so um, everyone's excited. Everyone's ready to go for tomorrow night. How'd it go against Seattle? It was they certainly made you earn it, didn't they? That was not an easy series. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think we knew going into it that they were probably one of the tougher opponents we were going to face. Um, yeah, they're a big physical team and they worked extremely hard, so it was definitely a good challenge for us. Um, we managed to. Uh, Get rid of him in six games, so that was a positive. Do you know off the top of your head what the uh, season record was uh, with the uh, the Royals between the Royals and the Giants? Um, I think it was something like five, three, and two, or something like that. I think we had a couple games on, but not much. They're uh, they're a pretty good team, so it should be interesting. All right, uh, Bowen Byram of the Vancouver Giants, my guest. Uh, now, what we like to do in this part of the show, Bowen, is is uh, let my audience kind of get to know somebody that's in your position, being that it is your NHL draft year. And not everybody, I think most people will recognize the name, but not everybody's going to know a lot of history about you. So maybe let's go back to the beginning. Uh, where are you from? Uh, well, I'm from Cranbrook, B.C. originally. And do you remember how old you were when you first started playing hockey? Uh, I think I was around four or five years old when I probably first started playing. Now, who would have got you into hockey at that young age? Uh, definitely my dad. He he played professional hockey for a number of years. So when I was growing up, I always wanted to be like my dad. And, uh, yeah, so then I started playing hockey because of it. All right. Well, that's a pretty natural fit. Now, he was a forward, though. You're a defenseman. Have you always been a defenseman? Um, Yeah, I guess my dad always kind of encouraged me to play uh, defense. Obviously, he, he him being a forward, he knew the pressure that came with uh, having to put numbers on the board, things like that. So he kind of thought that... If I was a defenseman, I wouldn't totally face those pressures, and if I could put points up, that'd just be a bonus. <laughs> well, it's been a bonus because you've put up a lot of numbers uh, along the way uh, through your career, um, and one of those numbers is uh, being drafted really high in the uh, WHL Bantam draft. Take me back to draft day. You were taken third overall by the Giants. I know when I talk to players, some of them get to stay home from school and follow it along that way. Other guys are you know, looking at their phone uh, during class or something. Uh, what was draft day like for you? Um, yeah, I actually ended up staying home with my parents, uh, me, my mom, my dad. So it was, uh, it was a fun day. Uh, it was great to be drafted by the Vancouver Giants. I mean, Vancouver is a beautiful city and it's kind of become a home to me. So it's, uh, I was very lucky to go here. Now you're from uh, Cranbrook. Uh, your parents still in that area or? Yeah, yeah. My, uh, my parents both still live in Cranbrook. Yeah. All right. So close enough though that they're able to come and watch you play. I'm sure every time you, you went in to play, uh, the Kootenai Ice, uh, RIP for Kootenai going to Winnipeg now, but, um, <laughs> yeah. but I, I imagine you get lots of friends and family, uh, coming to those games. Uh, yeah, for sure. I only actually got to play there once just with how the schedule worked out this year, but, um, yeah, it, it was pretty cool. I mean, I watched a lot of games in that building when I was young, so to, uh, to get to play a Western League game in that, that rink was pretty cool. Um, unfortunately, 
the team the team's gone now so that, that was probably the last game i'll ever play in there but yeah it was pretty cool you grow up uh, in crabrook and, and get to uh go to watch a lot of of ice games as a kid anything in particular stand out for you uh yeah i'd i'd go to as many home games as i could when i was little obviously i was playing hockey too so i was pretty sure. busy but um yeah i just remember the the days of Reinhardt's and Boson and uh, McNabs when they were they were really good seemed like they were winning a lot of games. So um, that's probably the the fondest memories I have. Bowen Byram of the Vancouver Giants, my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the 2019 uh, draft spotlight. Uh, now this is year two for you with the Giants, although you did play 11 games as a as a uh, a 15 year old uh, right after you were drafted as well. Getting those eleven games under your belt, how well did that prepare you for your first your first uh, full season last year? Yeah, it was great. Uh, being a younger guy, just kind of getting used to the the dressing room, uh, the guys in the dressing room, um, getting used to the pace of play and whatnot. It was huge for me, and I think it helped me a lot in my sixteen year old year. Uh, not only on the ice but off the ice too, just getting close with a couple of the guys. So um, I, it definitely worked out in my favor. Now, didn't get any points in those 11 games. Was that a bit tough to take? Because, again, you're a guy who's used to pick, putting up numbers all the time, but uh, just fitting in, getting your, your, you know, dipping your toe into the WHL water at that point, I don't know if you expected to, to be hitting the score sheet much. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really expect it. Uh, there was The team was kind of struggling at that point in time. We weren't scoring very many goals, so it was pretty tough. But, um, no, I, I was just uh, – I was just trying to uh, play my best, trying to help the team win games. Um, I thought I, I thought I played pretty well, so I was happy with that. All right, and uh, last season, 27 points as a rookie in the WHL. Were you happy with that year? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, not only did I produce a bit as a young defenseman, uh, the team kind of turned around for from a couple of uh, off years. I'd say they hadn't made the playoffs for a while, so we made the playoffs. Uh, Ended up losing out in the first round, but I think it was a it was a big step for us as a team. Now six goals last year, this year twenty six goals and seventy one points, so a massive jump forward in your offensive numbers this season. Is that just you know more opportunity? You're playing more minutes. I mean, I've seen you play; you play a ton of minutes. Um, or is it just a step, a natural step in your development? Yeah, I think a bit of both. Um, I think I do play a bit more this year. Obviously, uh, my role's kind of grown a bit this year. But I definitely think it's a lot to do with confidence, too. I mean, it's not an easy league to play in, so confidence goes a bit, uh, long ways. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think it kind of has a lot to do with just maturing um, mentally, physically. So, uh, yeah, it, it's been fun, though. Uh, I don't know if they keep track. Uh, well, publicly, the WHL doesn't keep track of uh, time on ice. But do you know how uh, what you kind of average for ice time in a game? Uh, no, I'm not too sure, honestly. I haven't really talked about my coaches too much about it. I know they keep track, but I'm not too sure. I would think it's probably around 25, 30 minutes maybe. Yeah, I would have to think it's at least 30 minutes. Uh, uh, you seem to be on the ice all the time, uh, at least. Well, that's a good thing, though, isn't it? I mean, you want to play. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love playing hockey. I love being on the ice, so, so it's good. Uh, take me back to the uh, Holinka Gretzky Cup in Edmonton uh, back in August. You get your season started really early and playing meaningful games uh, back then. I imagine gave you a bit of a kickstart coming into this year. Yeah, it was it was a fun tournament uh, getting to uh, meet and just see some of my old buddies that I've played uh, previous tournaments with. But uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. We ended up winning, so winning always makes everything a lot better. But um, yeah, it was a great tournament. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I'm just happy that we got the gold medal. For friends maybe who don't follow the WHL closely, casual NHL fans or whatever, and, and kind of just want to know uh, what type of a player you are, they can look and see 71 points and just assume you know, you're know you an offensive guy, but uh, that's maybe not the whole story. How do you describe yourself as a player? 
I think I'm kind of a two-way offensive defenseman. I think I can play power play, penalty kill. I can uh, play in both ends of the both ends of the rink. So um, that's what I kind of pride myself in. Not only my uh, offensive output, but also my defensive game. Is there an area of your game that you're still trying to to uh, really put attention to before you get to the next level? Uh, honestly, I think just kind of everything. I mean, I got a lot, got to get a lot better if I want to play in the NHL one day. So I'm just, uh, working on getting better every opportunity I can, uh, getting better on the ice in the gym, whatnot. How much is the NHL draft on your mind these days, Bowen? Um, well, I mean, being in the midst of playoffs, um, not too much. I mean, I'm, I'm focused on winning games and focused on trying to win a championship. So, uh, obviously it's there. I hear about it, whether it's through social media or just buddies and whatnot. But, sure. um, yeah. I, I try to keep it to the back of my mind. I mean, it's definitely not my biggest priority right now. All right, yeah, that's fair to say. You got other things, uh, pressing, more pressing uh, needs uh, for sure. The draft is, you know, two, three months away from now. Uh, maybe when the rankings come out uh, periodically, like in uh, just after January or something like that. Do you are you a guy who seeks out where where do these guys have me ranked? Where do these guys have me ranked? Or do you try to put those things to your back of your head? Uh, yeah, I don't usually uh, look myself, but um, I usually end up finding out where I where I am just uh, due to buddies telling me, texting me, whatever, congratulating me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's just rankings. Uh, I don't think it really matters too much, but but there's not really much I can do about that. I mean, like I'm gonna end up where I end up, so it's just what it is. Well, you're one of a number of WHLers ranked very high for the draft this year. Does it matter to you? You know, top five, top ten. Do you want to be the first dub guy taken? Are those things important to you? Um, I wouldn't say overly a lot. No. Um, I mean, I'm just, I'm just uh, happy playing hockey. I mean, I love playing the game. Uh, yeah. So, so wherever I end up, it doesn't, doesn't truly matter that much to me. Excellent. Uh, now, being a, a BC guy, I don't want to just assume that you were a, a Vancouver Canucks fan growing up. You're uh, in playing, well, in Langley, so not right in Vancouver, but you've been around that uh, neck of the woods for a while now. Uh, who was your team growing up? Uh, yeah, funny story, actually. It was Vancouver for a long time, uh, and then when they lost in the cup final that uh, one year when I was little, I thought that was kind of the end, so um kind of stopped cheering for them. But uh yeah, no, Vancouver has a special spot in my heart, that's for sure. But you jumped off the bandwagon after they lost in the cup final. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a funny story, but it's the truth, so I got to tell it. So did you change teams? Like, is there a different team that you started to cheer for, or is it just general hockey fan now? Oh, yeah, not really. Um, I, I mean, I like watching good teams. I love watching Toronto, Vegas, uh, Tampa Bay. There's, there's lots of skill on the ice, so lots of fun to watch. But, um, yeah, no, I don't really have one team, though. All right, well, Bowen, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, good luck in the uh, second round against the Victoria Royals. Whatever happens at the draft, I hope we can chat again one day. Okay, sweet. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. That was Bowen Byram of the Vancouver Giants. Feeling a little under the weather uh, when I was speaking with him. Actually, it was the day before that that uh, he had actually not skated with the team for practice or anything because he was really not feeling well. I talked to him for a little bit before that we started that interview, and his voice was pretty scratchy and stuff, so didn't want to keep him too long. Also had to get to practice. Uh, so you know, a, a slightly shorter 2019 draft spotlight uh, than normal. Usually we, we go about 14, 15 minutes, that one, about uh, 10. Anyway, but Bowen Byram, a really impressive defenseman. When the uh, Vancouver Giants rolled through Edmonton back uh, on New Year's Day, as a matter of fact, they were fairly unimpressive to me, but um, Byram played a ton and was very good. He was by far their best player. The Old Kings did play a pretty good game, but uh, in that game, I don't know what it was, but the, the Giants just were not clicking on that night. They have really got it going, though, 
down the stretch and into the playoffs as they uh, caught the Everett Silvertips in the standings. So you got to give them a ton of credit. And Bowen Byram, the biggest giant of them all. That wraps up this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. Don't forget, on Monday or Tuesday, it'll be the Frozen Four Coaches Show. All four coaches. I have chatted and interviewed all four of them already. Be putting the show together this weekend uh, for a release very early next week. Uh, look forward to that. All four coaches, really uh, good guys to talk to. and uh, Most of them have been on the show before, uh, but a couple of them, uh, well, two of the four, I guess. I shouldn't say most. 50% of them have been on the show before. Uh, but uh, good to get all four of them on. Once again, I think it's it's. I don't even remember the last time we failed to get one of the coaches on uh, from the Frozen Four. Actually, I do. It was Jeff Jackson from Notre Dame, but it wasn't necessarily his fault. I was having technical problems on my end. But anyway, we don't have to worry about that this year. All four coaches will be on the show, and you'll hear that early in the coming week. And then the Frozen Four starts on Thursday. Wraps up on Saturday. The uh, CHL playoffs, well, as you know, we've been talking about it all this episode. Get going. Uh, round two gets going here in a couple of hours. And then uh, we'll be well into the uh, second round series by the time we speak again here next week on the regular edition of the Pipeline Show. Until then, thanks to all who have signed up to be patrons at patreon.com. Don't forget, if you want to do that, get early access to all of these interviews, the Frozen Four Coaches Show, and the... Uh, you know, just on an ongoing basis, go to patreon.com slash the pipeline show. A couple of bucks a month is all it takes and to uh, get early access and be the first people, uh, among the first people, to hear episodes and interviews that everybody else gets to hear a few days later here on the pipeline show. All right, until next week, get out watching junior and college hockey so that you and I can talk about it here on the pipeline show. Till then, my name is Keith Flaming. See ya.